Hello, Hillside. Um, my name is Rona, and I am a leader at New Philly. I'm actually on full-time staff with Emmaus Campus Ministry, which is the college ministry of New Philadelphia Church. Anybody um, from Emmaus in the house today? Okay, good to see you guys. Um, I'm the campus director of Emmaus at Seoul National University. All right? <laughs> good to see you, Eddie. So... Um, so I've been on staff with New Philly since 2012, so over two years now. And um, before that, I was actually an exchange student at Yonsei University in 2008. And that's where I met the Lord. That's where I was really transformed by God's grace, by his goodness, and by the ministry here at New Philly and Emmaus. And so I actually remember the first time... Um, I sat in this sanctuary. I was somewhere over here in this side. And I remember, I mean, everyone was different back then. Like the praise leaders were different. The, the layout of this room was different. Um, there were a lot less people. But um, I sat there and as soon as like the first strum of the guitar for the praise, I started breaking out crying. And I didn't even, I wasn't even walking with the Lord at that time, but his presence was so thick here that I just started to weep. And I remember Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron, it's before they were married, and they were sitting behind me, and I was like, man, they probably think I'm crazy because I'm just crying for no reason throughout the whole praise set. But then the longer I stayed here, the more I realized that happens quite often, and it's not so abnormal after all. Um, but it's really an honor for me to be able to share the word with you today because this is really my home, my church home. And so I'm excited to be in front of you and to deliver the word of God. And one thing I really love about God's word is that it's packed with all these images and analogies that help us to navigate through our Christian walks, right? There's so many analogies, and Pastor Emily preached last week about how to be a good physician, right? And it doesn't mean we're literally all doctors, but it means that we assume that role just as Jesus was a good physician to us. And one other analogy or image that is often repeated in the word of God is the image of valleys and mountains, all right, valleys and mountains, and how our Christian walk, we can kind of picture it like a journey. And sometimes we are in low places, and sometimes we're in high places, but that we're moving toward a destination. There's a starting point and an ending point, right? And so um, oftentimes we see in the Bible that God will lead people into valleys, lead them into deserts, or he calls them up into the hill country. He calls them up into the mountaintop, right? And we see different kind of things happening in the valley and in the mountain. Oftentimes, valleys can be symbolic of times of trial, times of testing, times of difficulty. That's sometimes how the word of God uses valley situations, valley symbolism. And as believers, when we go through valleys, the enemy will try to throw guilt or shame on us. When we struggle, when we go through difficulties, oftentimes believers are, are kind of confused and we think, man, if I have Christ, I can't be struggling. I can't show weakness. I can't show that I'm struggling to other believers. That means I'm not a good Christian, right? And over and over I see in my own life and also as I shepherd and counsel young people that when we go through difficult times, it's easy for us to want to just isolate ourselves, fix ourselves, deal with our own struggle, and then come back into the community when we've got it all worked out, right? But that is really not God's heart for us. That's not his heart for us at all. Being a believer doesn't mean we never go through difficult times. It, it's not, like Christianity is not a, 
get through life easy card, right? It's never been promised by the word of God and it's not promised by God. But being a believer does mean we have good news even in the midst of difficulty. The good news is that if God has brought us into the valley, he's also given us a provision to get through it victoriously. The good news is that he's, if he's brought us there, he's going to lead us out and he's going to lead us to a higher place at the end. And today, I want to talk about God's wisdom for us in the valley seasons. The Lord desires to take us to a higher place continually, to never let us stay in the same place for too long, because he wants us to go deeper with him, deeper in intimacy, deeper uh, in in trusting him and relying in him, deeper into the things of his kingdom. But to get there, to get to the next mountain, it requires us to walk through valleys, right? And so today, I want to focus not on why we go through valleys or what God does in the valleys in us particularly, but how practically we are supposed to navigate through our difficult seasons. How practically we're supposed to glorify God even in difficult seasons in our lives. So I want us to turn to Genesis 19. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. And before we read from the text together, I'm going to give us kind of a backstory because I don't want to read through the whole chapter, okay? So the backstory is there is a great wickedness happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God is pretty much set on destroying the city because there's so much evil there, right? And God has also made a covenant to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm committed to you. You are now the father of many nations. I'm in covenant relationship to you. And because of God's commitment to Abraham, God also had mercy on Lot. And Lot lived in Sodom. Okay. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And God said, because of you, Abraham, I'm going to have mercy on Lot. And before I destroy the city, I want to take him out of the destruction. I want to, I want to bring him out of the destructive city before I destroy it. Right. And so before, um, we get into the text, it's important to know that backstory that the angel of the Lord has come to Lot and said, it's time to go. It's time to get out of here. And so let's pick up at Genesis 19, starting with verse 15. Starting with verse 15. And I'll be reading from the ESV. And it says, As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And I want us to pause here before we keep reading on. Okay. For Lot in particular, his entrance into this valley season of his life, it wasn't optional, right? Like he actually didn't want to go into the valley. He was like, I think I'm going to stay here. And I don't really know if it's going to be as bad as you say it's going to be. So I'm not going to go there. I'm going to linger. I'm going to tarry in this city. But the angel of the Lord, it says in God's mercy, the angel of the Lord seized Lot and threw him out of the city, right? So that was a very abrupt entrance into Lot's valley season. And so Lot gets thrown into the valley. 
And it's also similar to how God delivered the Israelites out of their bondage in Egypt, right? It's like he does all these signs and wonders, and then they're thrust into the wilderness. And they're, caused, they're, they're um, called to follow God's leading step by step through that time. In other situations, people aren't necessarily forced into the valley. Um, for example, Jesus, after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, and he went willingly to be tempted, right, to be tested. King David even spoke of many valleys in the Psalms. One in particular we all know is Psalm 23, and he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? That's an intense valley, okay? The valley of the shadow of death. That just sounds scary and intense. There are many ways that we enter into the valley that the Bible shows us. And there are many different kinds of valleys that we have in our lives. We're probably going to experience many valley seasons in our lifetime. And God uses valleys to do a number of things in us. But that's another message, and we're not going to talk about that, okay? <laughs> we're, because we're all going to experience difficult seasons in our lives, it's crucial to heed the instruction that God gave to Lot. Because we are all going to face this, it's important that we go in with wisdom. So whether it's a difficult season in your life right now or one that's going to be up ahead in the future at some point, take this wisdom to heart for any valley season that we may be encountering. And the first instruction from God to Lot as he enters into the valley is this. Number one, do not look back. Everybody say, do not look back. Whatever the reason may be for your entrance into the valley, God's instruction for you is clear. Don't look back, okay? The angel of the Lord said to Lot, don't look back. Don't look back. Maybe your situation is like Lot's. In his mercy, God has brought you out of a season of, of, of guilt and shame and sin, out of a place of destruction, a place that's going to be destroyed. God brought you out of that place in his mercy. Maybe you were brought into the valley unwillingly, like Lot, right? Or maybe you uh, willingly went into the valley because you were being led there by the Lord. Or maybe he brought you out of the, the, a place of bondage like he did to the Israelites out of Egypt. Maybe, like Job... Everything good in your life seems to be stripped away, and there's no apparent reason, but you find yourself in a valley season. Whatever your entrance into the valley looks like, God says the same thing. Don't look back. The Hebrew word for look in this passage is nabat, and it means to behold, to gaze at, to regard with pleasure and favor. Okay? God is saying, don't behold the past lot. Don't regard it with pleasure and favor. Don't keep gazing at the past. Don't look back and think about what it used to be like. Don't let yourself get wrapped up in the good old days, right? The Lord is saying, take your heart out of the past and put it in the place I've called you to be right now, in this present moment. Heeding this instruction from God is crucial if we're going to live victorious Christian lives. Because when we enter into the valley and it's difficult times of, of difficulty and trials and testing may come at us, it's so easy for us to dwell on the past and think that we had it so good back then, right? But in times of trial and testing, our memories of the good old days, of the good old days can be very deceiving. We actually think they're much better than they really were, and they become idealized in our minds, right? We must come to grips with the fact that whether we understand why or not, 
God has brought us out of that place, out of that season, for a reason. God says to us, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Don't look at the past. Look at the new thing I'm doing in this season. You see, the valley, as difficult as it may be, it's a time of transition. It's a time of transition from the past to the future, from the old wineskin to the new wineskin, from the old thing to the new thing. But you will never receive, possess, and enjoy the fullness of that new thing if we're continuing to behold the past, if we're continuing to look back the whole time. And no matter how good that season was, it's over. And there are new, better things in store for you up ahead. The old season isn't the place we were meant to stay forever. As good as it was, there's better in store, and we're never meant to stay in the same place. Um, so I really love nature. If you guys, if any of you know me personally, <laughs> that's like an understatement. Um, I really love nature. I wouldn't call myself a tree hugger, but I do hug trees sometimes. And um, I, I love nature and all activities, you know, in the sun and having fun outside. But one thing I really do not like to do, like the one outdoor activity I hate is um, splunking. Has anybody here ever went cave splunking? Okay, maybe if I explain it, you'll know what it is. But basically, it's when you start in the mouth of a cave, and then it, you, you start off standing up, but then soon, like the, the mouth of the cave, you go deeper and deeper into the face of the earth, and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and you start standing, but soon you're crawling on, you're like bear crawling through the cave, and and it's dark, and you're going deeper into the earth, and the space gets more and more tight. Right, and I went. I went with some friends in college. I went splunking, and I didn't really know what it was. But I was like, "Hey, I like to play outside. I'm sure it's going to be fun." And I went into the situation not aware that I have slight claustrophobia, and I'm not coming in agreement with that. But I get very uncomfortable in tight and closed spaces, like elevators, you know, crowded subways, Korea. So like, I just, I like, it's hard for me to. I just, like, I can breathe when it's, like, wide open spaces. And, and then when it's, like, really tight, I just get really uncomfortable. And then, so we start off and we're like, oh, cool. Like, this cave is awesome. And stalagmites or whatever those things are called. And having a good time. <laughs> and then we, we, we start going. And then I'm like, okay, I have to squeeze into this tight space. Or, okay, I have to crawl a little bit. But then soon, like, there's a little bitty tunnel. And the bottom is, is full of mud right? And we're crawling through mud. And I realized that I'm not comfortable. And there's like a terror rising in my heart. And I'm thinking, why am I crawling into the middle of the earth? This is a really bad idea. And I, I had no idea how long it would take to get out. And um, what the master tour guide was training this, like, this newbie. And he was kind of bigger. And then we got to a point and the tour guide got stuck. For a pretty long time. And I remember thinking, if the tour guide is stuck, like, what is going to happen to us, right? And I was pretty certain that I was going to turn back. Like, I don't care if I ruin this little fun cave party, but I'm out of here, you know? And then, and then we were, like, all in a, in a line. And then I looked behind me, though, and all my friends were behind me. And it was such a tight space that it was physically impossible for me to turn around. I couldn't. And so... He, the tour guide got unstuck, 
And I was like, I can't go back. I can't even look back. (laughs) I have to just keep going forward. And I don't know what that forward looks like. It's dark and tight and scary. And I'm really terrified right now, but I can't even go back. I can't even look back. And that's the kind of situation we find ourselves in the valley. It may be scary and tight and uncomfortable, but there's no going back. You can't go back. The city, whatever's behind you, it's destroyed. It's over. That season is done. We can't turn back. We can only press forward. So the first instruction that the angel of the Lord gives to Lot is don't look back. Okay? And the second instruction from God to Lot as he enters into the valley is do not stop anywhere in the valley. Do not stop anywhere in the valley. The Lord not only instructs Lot not to look back, but he also says, don't stop moving. The Hebrew word for stay here is amad, and it means to be established, to remain, to stop, and to be fixed like a pillar. Okay? Do not fix yourself like a pillar in the valley. Do not stop there. God was saying to Lot, don't establish yourself in the valley. Do not stop, because God has designed valleys to be temporary. Okay? There are temporary places that we walk through, not permanent places that we live in. David even said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, even though I live there, I decided to make a 10-year um, you know, commitment to the valley, right? Or I decided to camp out there, or I decided to make all my friends there, or I decided to stay there until I felt comfortable to move on. No, he said, I walked through it. I walked through through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't get me wrong. We're not supposed to rush through difficult times in our lives. We're not supposed to skip steps or ignore difficulties or trials or pain. Um, Because in the valley times, in those difficult seasons, God uses it and does powerful things in us. So we can't skip it, right? In the midst of great pain, often we enter into greater intimacy with God. Um, We begin to depend on him, hear from him, trust in him like we never have before. So valleys are very powerful times with the Lord. They're very important. During valley seasons, God transforms who we are from the inside out. And the faith that comes out of difficult seasons is is purer than, than gold, right? It's so precious to God's heart. It's eternal. And so the work there is precious. But it's a temporary season of our lives. The length of time in our valley seasons is unknown. It's up to God. But our responsibility is to not stop moving. We got to keep walking forward. The reason God instructs us to keep moving and to not stop as he leads us through the valley is because often we don't see with clarity in the valley. In the midst of great testing, loss, disappointment, our own understanding sometimes fails us. Our emotions are running wild. It's not as easy in the valley to see as clearly as we did on the mountaintop, right? It's in the valley that we declare to God that we lead not on our own understanding. We don't, go, we don't live by sight, but by faith. That we trust in him, that we depend in him to get us through. You know, I remember a season right after my father passed away in 2012 um, that I entered into a valley season. And he was not a believer when he died. And I remember it was such a, the the valley of mourning is, is unlike any other valley. And I remember that I was just in shock because he passed away so suddenly and so unexpectedly. And I remember in that season, 
I began to feel a lot of different emotions and think a lot of different thoughts, right? I remember that um, there was just this extreme sense of loss, but also a lot of anger and this sense of injustice in my heart towards God. And I remember questioning God and saying, God, I wanted him to be saved. I prayed every day for his salvation, and I wanted you to do what you did in my life, in my dad's life. And I thought, this was your heart for him. Why did he die without knowing you, Jesus? Why did he die without that breakthrough? God, are you punishing me? God, am I not walking in faith? Am I not in the the right place in my life? And that was also the same time I began full-time ministry with Emmaus. Support raising, ministering to college students, preaching class, And I remember thinking, I don't like this at all. My heart was so cold to ministry. I didn't enjoy it. And I thought, this can't be the call of God for my life. And I wanted to leave everything and everyone and get out of here, okay? And I remember that those emotions and those thoughts were so real to me. They were the reality I knew. They were the reality of the valley, right? My thoughts and my emotions were the thoughts and emotions of the valley. And there wasn't necessarily anything wrong with me feeling those emotions as I processed my dad's death. But I was called to walk forward and not remain there. And that is the key, right? I remembered Psalm 23 in that moment, and that changed everything. Because David said, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and I feared no evil, for you are with me, God. And every day I said to God, I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side of this valley. It looks so big. It's overwhelming. I don't know how I'm going to get to the mountain, but I know I can take the next step. If you're with me, God, I can take the next step. And I can, I can maybe not see to the end of the valley, but I can see to the end of this day. I can take the next step, and I can make it through this day, and I know that you're going to get me to the other side. And I made that resolve in my heart, and the thing is, God brought me to the end of the valley, right? You see, the thoughts and emotions I was experiencing in the valley, they were not truth. They were not the thoughts and emotions I have when I'm walking in clarity and in faith. The valley is temporary, guys. So are those thoughts and emotions that may seem so real at the moment, in the middle of difficulty and trials. But we cannot establish ourselves in those emotions and thoughts. You are allowed to feel those real and raw emotions, but there must be a moment when you understand it's not forever. It's not true, and that you will not stay in that place. Valleys are seasons of uncertainty, pain, doubt, and sometimes even despair. And God can use all of those things, all of those things to bring you closer to him. But you have to keep moving forward because if you stop and establish yourself in the valley, you begin to look around you and the reality there overwhelms you. The reality around you is is clouded with emotions and thoughts that aren't true. The valley can be a dark place. It's like trying to assess what's around you in the pitch black with only a flashlight. You can't really see what's there. And things seem to be worse than they really are. Our minds get set on the world and its problems instead of on the power, the goodness, the hope that is in Christ Jesus. God says to us, do not stop anywhere in the valley. When you stop, instead of you passing through the valley, instead the valley gets inside of you. 
If you dwell in the valley, the untrue realities, the emotions, the deception that the enemy throws at you, it will overcome you. And the true freedom and promises of the hill seem distant and impossible. Man, that's never going to happen. Those promises of God, I thought it was going to happen, but I'm never going to get there. This is the only reality I know, right? We cannot establish ourselves in a temporary location that God has intended for us to just pass through. When we stop in the valleys, our difficulties begin to conform us instead of us conforming, instead of us transforming what's around us, right? And one way we establish ourselves in our valleys is how we speak over ourselves and how we speak to others during our seasons of trials. Are we establishing ourselves in our current state and declaring things like, it's always going to be like this? Things are never going to change. Things will never get better. And I'm never going to see the fulfillment of those promises. Because those words of declaration have so much power and weight. Your words have power in them. So much power in them. And when you speak those words from the, ba- in, from the valley, it means you've stopped walking. It means you've agreed with what's around you. It means that you've begun to build your house there. It means that that's your dwelling place now. We must watch the language we speak in the valley. You see, it matters to God's heart so much what we say in the midst of our most difficult seasons. And you think that it doesn't matter, but in those moments, his ears are attuned to us. And where we place our real trust and faith is exposed. It matters to his heart so much what we speak in difficult situations. Even um, with Job, who lost his health, his possessions, and even his family. Even when everything good was stripped from his life and he was left with nothing. It says in Job 27.4, My lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will not speak deceit. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil, that is understanding. In the difficult seasons of our lives, it's not bad to feel those emotions, to have those thoughts. But we must watch what we are declaring over ourselves. We must make a fixed resolve in our hearts to not speak from that deception, to not establish ourselves or other people from that place. When we stop in the valley, what happens is what I call valley syndrome. Everybody say valley syndrome. syndrome. You know, like there are people that we all know, and I'm one of them sometimes because I'm very dramatic. And it's like, um, you know, no matter what season they're in, if you ever ask them how they're doing, they're always going through a very difficult thing. And like, even when they're not in the valley anymore, like they're in a place of fruitfulness, provision, promises being fulfilled, like everything's good in their lives. You ask them how they are and there's great despair, right? There's great despair and mourning. And, and it's like, instead of the exterior valley, them passing through it, they've internalized the valley and they've They've let the sadness and despair of the valley just become part of their hearts, right? So no matter if they're on the mountain or the valley, they're always in the valley mentality. Everything they go through is so much worse than it actually is. And I'm so guilty of this too, okay? Um, So their whole life is like a valley with just temporary moments of joy, right? We are not meant to live lives like that in Christ, God commands us to establish ourselves in the place of truth, faith, and hope, not in the valley. So God instructs us to not stop 
anywhere in the valley. Our mentality should be, I'm just passing through this place. I'm just passing through. The word of God even says in James, count it a joy when you face trials of various kinds because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. We can only rejoice in our trials unless we like pain and we're like narcissistic if we know that they're temporary, right? We can only rejoice in our suffering if we understand that it's not going to be forever. If we think this difficult time is going to last forever, we can't rejoice. But rejoicing is possible because we know it's temporary, because we know we pass through difficulties to greater glory, to the goodness of God, to the promises of God. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Not more weeping, right? And the third instruction from God to Lot as he enters into the valley is this. Escape to the hills. Escape all the way to the hills. The Lord didn't just tell Lot to forget the former things, to not look back at the old city. He didn't just tell Lot to keep walking in any direction in the difficult valley. But God gave Lot vision direction and a destination something to set his eyes on the lord said to lot keep pressing forward until you reach the hills don't stop until you get to the top of the mountain that's your finish line that's your goal if valleys symbolize times of trials testing transition in our christian walks the mountaintop is a place of clarity peace revelation security fulfillment it's a place where god's presence is so near to us right when we enter into difficult seasons in our lives it's not enough to just keep moving moving does nothing for you it's about moving in the right direction you must have your eyes set on the mountain our vision in the valley is the mountain right the psalmist says in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, when Pastor Isaac first came to New Philly and, um, and he first led worship up here, that was like his go-to, like favorite. Where's Pastor Isaac? Okay, that was like his go-to favorite bridge to sing. And I don't know if you guys remember when he sang it, but it was so passionate. And I had never sung that psalm before. And, you know, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my... Okay, you guys know that, that chorus. So basically, I remember singing it. And then every time I would leave church and I would experience trials or difficulties or sad days, I would, like my spirit man... I would just imagine, imagine like a hill. I'm lifting my eyes up to the hills, God. And that song would just play in my head, right? It's a powerful, powerful, powerful song. I lift my eyes to the hills. I lift my eyes to the hills. When you're in the valley, we must lift our eyes to the hills. Why did the psalmist write and sing about looking up at a hill? Do you think that he was on a hill when he said, I lift my eyes up to the hills? No. Where do you think the psalmist was when he said, I lift my eyes up to the hills? Yeah. You don't lift your eyes up to the hills when you're in a, in a high place, right? Because you're already there. You lift your eyes up to the hills when you're in a low place. And David continued to lift his eyes up to the hills from that low place. You lift your eyes up to the hills when you're in a valley. When you're in a low place, you look to a higher place. And that's why in so many Psalms, David begins in the darkest of valleys, but by the end of the Psalm, he's in a high place again. 
Psalm, Psalm 16 says, David set the Lord always before him. To set your eyes on the hills means to set your eyes on God. To set the Lord always before you. I'm in a valley. It's a dark place, but I set the Lord before me. I don't set the realities, the darkness before me, but I set the Lord always before me. I'm walking toward the mountain. I'm walking toward the hill. I lift my eyes up to the hill, God. You are my help. When you're in the valley, if your eyes are fixed on the hill things begin to change. Your circumstances may not change, but your heart begins to change and your thoughts begin to change. Your circumstances may not change, but everything inside you changes. That's why David could praise the Lord and rejoice even in the midst of his darkest valleys. David experienced deep valleys, but he sang praise to God as if he were on the mountaintop. You see, God could have just brought Lot out of the city. He could have just said, okay, you're not destroyed, that's good enough, right? But that wasn't enough for God. God cares about the entirety of who we are, not just our physical safety, not just getting us out of destruction, not just our survival, right? He wanted more for Lot than for Lot to just survive the destruction. What Lot really needed was complete deliverance. What Lot really needed was a change in perspective. God wanted Lot to see from a place of faith a place of clarity, a place of vision. Genesis 19, 27 and 28 says that Abraham stood before the Lord and looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and all the land of the valley. You see, the whole time Abraham was standing on the top of the mountain and he was looking down. And God's desire was not just to make Lot survive, to get him through the destruction, but God's desire was to bring Lot up to that high place with Abraham. That's why he said, go all the way to the hills. Don't stop until you get there. Um, as I said earlier, I love hiking and camping. And, um, and I also love climbing. And I love, you know, pushing myself and, and nature. But I think the thing I love the most about hiking and climbing is the view from the top. And I think many of you can identify with just even when you're on an airplane, like looking down and seeing how everything looks from that higher perspective, right? When you look down, everything that used to seem so big and massive is actually put into perspective. Your perspective is bigger and you see much more clearly. And there was one particular mountain that I hiked that showed this to me very clearly. Um, I was doing a missionary internship in South Africa. And, (laughs) yeah, KK. And I lived on this huge game reserve, which means there were like blessbuck and springbuck and zebra, you know, gallivanting around and um, this, this like big, basically we lived in cabins and the long-term missionaries lived in um, bigger houses, but it was spread out across acres and it was very, very difficult to find your way through the, the base camp. And I kept getting lost for like the two, first two weeks of my time there. And if you know me, you know that I have serious navigational skills, um, seriously a serious lack of navigational skills. And, then, and I, I kept getting lost over and over again. Uh, one, because I'm just bad at directions. And two, because it was just confusing. Like, it was so hard. The layout of the base camp didn't make any sense. <laughs> the cabins were scattered around, and the trails were really confusing. Like, the trails that I would take wouldn't lead to where I thought they would go. And I kept getting so frustrated that I was getting lost all the time. 
And when the sun went down, it became pitch black. There were no lights outside. So all I had was a flashlight. And, you know, I'm scared because I could fall into a hole or run into a zebra or something. And so I was just like, man, I'm so frustrated. And it's so hard to find my way around this base camp. Um, And then one day, I think it was a second week, a bunch of us interns, we went hiking up Eagle Mountain. And it's called Eagle Mountain. Um, That's so, like, perfect of an analogy. Okay, it's called Eagle Mountain because the top of the mountain peak is shaped like an eagle. Okay? And so we were hiking, and it was a pretty strenuous hike. But we finally got to the top, and I looked at the base camp, and all of a sudden, everything was so clear. Like, all of my confusion was just immediately um, gone. Everything was so clear. I saw the whole camp, its layout, the position of all the cabins in relation to each other. And I also saw why I was so confused and lost. Why certain trails didn't lead me where I wanted to go. Why certain trails led me in the wrong direction, which trails I shouldn't take anymore, right? I saw the whole picture and I realized that the base camp wasn't so hard after all. You see, clarity comes when we can look down at the valley from the mountaintop. The Lord told Lot to escape all the way to the hills because God wanted Lot to see things as they really were. God wanted to give Lot the bigger picture. God wanted to bring Lot to a higher place. And that is exactly what he wants to do in our lives too. Just surviving and getting through difficult times is not God's heart for us. He wants, us, he wants to turn all things around for our good and for his glory. God wants to bring us to a place of promise, fulfillment, and clarity again. The Lord says to us, escape all the way to the hills. It takes more faith. It takes more trust. It takes more perseverance. But keep moving forward until you get there and don't give up. It will be so worth it when you're able to look down and see it all with clarity in the end. We think we're going to perish in our valleys. We think we can't make it, right? Yet the reality is we are closer to the mountain, we're closer to the breakthrough, we're closer to the promise being fulfilled than we were back in Sodom. The valley is closer to the fulfillment of the promise than the past, right? We're closer than we've ever been. Why would we give up now? Why would God let us perish when we're about to inherit and step into promise? God gives us such clear instructions to navigate through the difficult seasons of our lives because he knows it's not easy for us. God knows it's not easy for us, right? And he loves us. And I want us to look at Genesis 19 again and pick up where we left off at verse 19. Genesis 19, verse 19. After God tells Lot not to look back, not to stop in the valley, and to escape all the way to the hills... This is how the story ends. Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. And he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. 
The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. So God's first instruction to Lot was, do not look back, right? Do not behold the past. And in verse 26, we see Lot's wife looking back. She treasured the former things more than she treasured the promises and the things up ahead. She couldn't let go of Sodom and inherit the blessing that God was taking her to. God's second instruction to Lot was, do not stop anywhere in the valley. Make it all the way to the hills. Because God knew that the valley was a difficult place, a place we were meant to just pass through, relying on the strength of God. So in verse 18 through 29, though, it says um, that Lot pleaded with the angel. And he said, I cannot escape to the hills. I cannot do it. I can't do it. Basically, Lot was saying, I don't have the ability, the strength, the power. I don't have the faith to make it all the way to the hills. I can't walk through the valley. I can't. Let me just stay here in this little city, right? Lot was only able to see his own ability and strength in the valley. He didn't realize that it is in the valley when our own strength fails that God becomes strong for us. Lot did not trust in God's ability to get him through the valley. He only saw his inability and his potential failure. When we go through difficult times, it is not our responsibility to fix ourselves and to deliver ourselves out of that difficulty. That's God's job. It's on his timing, but it's our responsibility to let him lead us and to walk step by step behind him, to keep moving. And God's third instruction to Lot was escape all the way to the hills. And in verse 20, we see that Lot never made it up to that place of clarity, right? Lot settled for a city in the valley just outside of danger. He just wanted survival. Because his eyes weren't set on the hills, he settled for a city. Later, Lot and his two daughters were overcome with so much fear and anxiety in that city that they decided to live in a cave, okay? I don't know about you, but I don't like caves. And you can't see anything clearly in a cave, right? If you guys know about Plato's forms, which I'm not going to talk about, it's just reality is traded for just shadows and images, right? You can't see anything clearly from a cave, but that's what Lot settled for. Lot's wife perished in a place that was meant to bring her freedom. Lot settled in a place of compromise and confusion instead of going up to a higher place of faith. But that's what happens when we don't press on to the hill. God wants to bring us to a higher place continually. The valley was not meant to defeat you. It was not designed to overwhelm you. You were not meant to perish in the valley. God is merely using the valley to bring you to fulfillment. This is not just a story of Lot, but for many of us, when we face trials and difficulties, when we enter into valley seasons of our lives, it's easy for us 
to make the same mistakes, right? To dwell on the old days, to stay in a place of fear and doubt, to not keep our eyes fixed on the promise and goodness of God as we're walking through. But the good news is that in the midst of our most difficult valleys, the Lord is fully present with us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God desires to give us supernatural mercy, comfort, grace, ability, and power in our valley seasons. He desires to give that to us if only we would lean into him, depend on him, go to him when things are difficult in our lives. Psalm 105, 45 says um, that God brought out his people from the valley with joy and with singing. As believers, even our valleys can become places of joy because of Christ. Because every trial, every temptation, every test, every difficulty, every valley that you will ever have to walk through in your life, Jesus has walked through it first. He has already passed through every valley. Not only has he passed through it, but he has overcome it as well. He says to us, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, fear not, I have overcome the world. In our valleys, we can know with certainty that Jesus is fully present with us, leading us step by step to our victory, to the next mountain that's up ahead. In that place of nearness to him, God is saying, do not look back, do not stop in the valley, go all the way to the hills. And I just want to close in prayer. And so if I could have the praise team up with us. And you can just close your eyes. um, And allow the Lord to just speak to you. I feel like some of us today have been in a valley have been struggling with a trial, a difficulty. We find ourselves in the valley for a lot of different reasons, and sometimes it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to say, man, have I been forgotten here? Have I been forgotten here in this dark place? Is the Lord really taking me to a higher place? Is his promises, are they really coming to pass in my life? And I feel like God's heart for us today is sometimes you have to walk through the depths to get to the heights. You must be humbled to be exalted later. You must first embrace that brokenness before he can heal you. You must lose everything to find that you have everything in him. You must walk through the fire to come out with a faith as pure as gold. And when we heed the wisdom of God, even in our valleys, keeping our hearts open to him and trusting even when we don't understand, there is an everlasting and eternal work that God is doing in our hearts. And we will reach the top of our next mountain with such clarity, such peace, such joy, transformed completely, beholding his face and his glory. And right now, if you are in a valley season, 
or if you know someone who's going through a difficult time in their lives, I just want you to open up your heart, open up your mouth, and pray. I want us to make a commitment in our hearts. God, I know it's not easy. I know you don't expect me to just get over things, to ignore the pain, to ignore these thoughts. You want me to feel these things, but you also want me to walk through them. You want to bring me out of them. And I want us to make a commitment in our hearts to reveal the wisdom of God, even in the difficult seasons of our lives. And so I want us, if you are experiencing different valley seasons, I want you to just place your hand over your heart. And actually, I'm just going to close us in prayer. God, I thank you for your goodness in our lives. I thank you that you are faithful. God, even when darkness is before us, darkness surrounds us, I thank you that you are the light of the world. And I thank you that you call each of us children of light. And I thank you that where light is, darkness is always defeated. And Lord, I thank you that weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And Lord, right now, we just declare that a grace is being extended to us that you're giving us a grace to press forward, to press on. And right now, God, I just declare a vision going out for the next promise, the next mountain, the next exciting thing you want to take us to, the new thing you're doing in our lives, God, that we will not fix ourselves in the valley. We won't stay in this place, but we will trust in you to lead us to that higher place again. Lord, we love you and we praise you.